0: Hi, I'm Cameron Pauls, it's October 20th, and this is The Bible in a Year with Maple City Chapel. The readings for today are Jeremiah 35, Jeremiah 36, 1 Timothy 5, Psalm 89, verse 14 through 37, and Proverbs chapter 25, verses 25 through 27. Jeremiah chapter 35. This is the message the Lord gave to Jeremiah when Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king of Judah. Go to the settlement where the families of the Rechabites live and invite them to the Lord's temple. Take them into one of the inner rooms and offer them some wine. So I went to see Jehazaniah, son of Jeremiah and grandson of Habazaniah, and all his brothers and sons, representing all the Rechabite families. I took them to the temple and we went into the room assigned to the sons of Hanan, son of Igladah, a man of God. This room was located next to the one used by the temple officials, directly above the room, Messiah, son of Shalom, the temple gatekeeper. I set cups and jugs of wine before them and invited them to have a drink, but they refused. No, they said, we don't drink wine because our ancestor Jehonadab, son of Rechab, gave us this command. You and your descendants must never drink wine, and do not build houses or plant crops or vineyards, but always live in tents. If you follow these commands, you will live long, good lives, in the land. So we have obeyed him in all these things. We have never had a drink of wine to this day, nor have our wives, our sons, or our daughters. We haven't built houses or owned vineyards, or farms, or planted crops. We have lived in tents and have fully obeyed all the commands of Jehonadab, our ancestor. But when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon attacked this country, we were afraid of the Babylonian and Syrian armies, so we decided to move to Jerusalem. That's why we are here. Then the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Go and say to the people in Judah and Jerusalem, come and learn a lesson about how to obey me. The Rechabites do not drink wine to this day, because their ancestor Jehonadab told them not to. But I have spoken to you again and again, and you refuse to obey me. Time after time I sent you prophets who told you, turn from your wicked ways and start doing things right. Stop worshipping other gods so that you might live in peace here in the land I have given you and your ancestors. But you would not listen to me or obey me. The descendants of Jehonadab, son of Rechab, have obeyed their ancestor completely, but you have refused to listen to me. Therefore, this is what the Lord God of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Because you refuse to listen or answer when I call, I will send upon Judah and Jerusalem all the disasters I have threatened. Then Jeremiah turned to the Rechabites and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. You have obeyed your ancestor Jehonadab in every aspect, following all his instructions. Therefore, this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, will always have descendants who serve me. Jeremiah 36 During the fourth year that Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, was king in Judah, the Lord gave this message to Jeremiah, Get a scroll and write down all my messages against Israel, Judah, and the other nations. Begin with the first message back in the days of Josiah and write down every message right up to the present time. Perhaps the people of Judah will repent when they hear again all the terrible things I have f- planned for them. Then I will be able to forgive their sins and wrongdoings. So Jeremiah sent for Baruch, son of Nerea, and Jeremiah dedicated all the prophecies that the Lord had given him. Baruch wrote them on a scroll. Then Jeremiah said to Baruch, I am a prisoner here and am unable to go to the temple. So you go to the temple on the next day of fasting and I... and." Read the messages from the Lord that I have had you write on this scroll. Read them so that the people who are there from all over Judah will hear them. Perhaps, even yet, they will turn from their evil ways and ask the Lord's forgiveness before it is too late. For the Lord has threatened them with this terrible anger. Baruch did as Jeremiah told him and read these messages from the Lord to the people at the temple. He did this on a day of sacred fasting held in late autumn during the fifth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah. People from all over Judah had come to Jerusalem to attend the services at the temple on that day. Baruch read Jeremiah's words on the scroll to all the people. He stood in front of the temple room of Gemeriah, son of Saphan, the secretary. This room was just off, off the upper courtyard of the temple, near the new gate entrance. When Micaiah, son of Gemariah and grandson of Shephan, heard the messages from the Lord, he went down to the secretary's room in the palace, where the administrative officials were meeting. Elishama, the secretary, was there, along with Deliah, the son of Shemiah, Elnathan, son of Akbar, Gemara, son of Shephan, Zedekiah, son of Hananiah, and all the other officials. When Micaiah had told them about the messages Baruch was reading to the people, The officials sent Jehudi, son of Nathaniah, grandson of Shemaliah, and great-grandson of Cushi, to ask Baruch to come and read the messages to them too. So Baruch took the scroll and went to them. "'Sit down and read the scroll to us,' the officials said, and Baruch did just as they requested. When they had heard all the messages, they looked at one another in alarm. "'We must tell the king what we have heard,' they said to Baruch. "'But first tell us how you got these messages.' Did they come directly from Jeremiah? So Baruch explained, Jeremiah dictated them, and I wrote them down in ink, word for word, on this scroll. You and Jeremiah should both hide, the officials told Baruch. Don't let anyone know where you are. Then the officials left the scroll for safekeeping in the room of Elishema, the secretary, and went to tell the king what had happened. The king sent Jehudi to get the scroll. Jehudi brought it from Elishima's room and read it to the king, and all his officials stood by. It was late autumn, and the king was in a winterized part of the palace, sitting in front of a fire to keep warm. Each time Jehudi finished reading three or four columns, the king took a knife and cut off that section of the scroll. He then threw it into the fire, section by section, until the whole scroll was burned up. Neither the king nor his attendants showed any signs of fear or repentance at what they heard, even when El Nathan, Deliah, and Gemariah begged the king not to burn the scroll, he wouldn't listen. Then the king commanded his son, Jerahimel, Sariah son of Aziel, and Shelomaliah, son of Abdeel, to arrest Baruch and Jeremiah, but the Lord had hidden them. After the king had burned the scroll on which Baruch had written Jeremiah's words, the Lord gave Jeremiah another message. He said, get another scroll and write everything again, just as you did on the scroll King Jehoiakim burned. Then say to the king, this is what the Lord says. You burn the scroll because it said that the king of Babylon would destroy this land and empty it of people and animals. Now this is what the Lord says about King Jehoiakim of Judah. He will have no heirs to sit on the throne of David. His dead body will be thrown out to lie unburied, exposed to the heat of the day, and the frost of the night, I will punish him and his family and his attendants for their sins. I will pour out on them and all the people of Jerusalem and Judah all the disasters I promised, for they would not listen to my warnings. So Jeremiah took another scroll and dictated again to his secretary Baruch. He wrote everything that had been on the scroll King Jehoiakim had burned in the fire. Only this time he added much more. First Timothy five. Never speak harshly to an elder man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for his help. But the widow, who lives only for pleasure, is spiritually dead even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who don't care for their relatives, especially those in their household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers." A widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry then they would be guilty of breaking their previous pledge. And if they are on this list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business, and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children, and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them, for I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan." If a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone. Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out to the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. I solemnly command you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others keep yourself pure. Do not drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Remember, the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sin will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. Psalm 89 verse 14 Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice all day long and in your wonderful reputation. They exult in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. It pleases you to make us strong. Yes, our protection comes from the Lord, and he, the only one of Israel, has given us our King. Long ago you spoke in a vision to your faithful people. You said, I have raised up a warrior. I have selected him from the common people to be king. I have found my servant David. I have anointed him with my holy oil. I will steady him with my hand. With my powerful arm I will make him strong. His enemies will not defeat him, nor will the wicked overpower him. I will beat down his adversaries before him and destroy those who hate him. My faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him. And by my authority he will grow in power. I will extend his rule over the sea, his dominion over the rivers. And he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I will make him my firstborn son, the mightiest king on earth. I will love him and be kind to him forever. My covenant with him will never end. I will preserve an heir for him. His throne will be as endless as the days of heaven. But if his descendants forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations, if they do not obey my decrees and fail to keep my commands, then I will punish their sin with a rod and their disobedience with beating. But I will never stop loving him nor fail to keep my promise to him. No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness I cannot lie. His destiny will go on forever, His kingdom will endure as the sun. It will be as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. Proverbs 25, verse 25 through 27. Good news from far away is like cold water to the thirsty. If the godly give in to the wicked, it is like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. It is not good to eat too much honey, and it is not good to seek honors for yourself.